You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. talented host of the program fresh from BamaOnline.com, where i serve as the senior analyst since 2003 anyway they've kept me around not sure they even realize that sometimes but i appreciate it of course we're a part of the 24 7 sports.com network the show as always brought to you by peterbrook chocolates here out there at 1530 mcfarland boulevard north sometimes it can just be really simple gang Something simple as a single chocolate-dipped strawberry can make your day 100% better. Get by Peterbrook Chocolates here. Treat yourself, man. We always talk about, you know, you need to go by and get something for the significant. Forget that sometimes, you know. It's okay. Treat yourself, right? Self-love. It's important. And you can certainly get that and a whole lot more. At Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by producer James Ludeman, who together we combine to form the six of Sports Talk Radio. I, I'm betting James Ludeman can hardly contain himself right now with his Tampa Bay Rays at 3-0 now in that ALCS series with the cheating. What did, we, what did we name them yesterday? The tra- Trastros? The Trastros, yeah. The Houston Trastros. What about it, James? You you already gassing up the car to head out to Arlington for the big series? Yeah, I, I actually uh, I decided I'm going to go ahead and uh, sweep my house today. <laughs> You're fired up, yeah. I am, man. I'm re- I yeah. wish I could go to Arlington. I wish, I wish Tide 100.9 would send yeah. this gentleman right here. So if you're listening, David DeBose, send me to Arlington to cover the World Series. I'll do it well, for you. Well, and look, if the, Braves, if the Braves get there, why not? Right? True. I mean, the Braves are the team of the region. There's no doubt about that. And the Braves after last night. How about that cardiac performance late in that one for the Braves? Hey, got it done regardless. Eight to seven winners over the Los Angeles Dodgers in game two of the NLCS. Boy, Ian Anderson, he keeps that postseason mojo going, doesn't he? He's got that uh, postseason scoreless streak now. Three career starts in the postseason now, and it's 15-plus innings. He's gone scoreless for the Braves. You know, we bragged on that bullpen yesterday. We've done it a couple of times here of late. That Braves bullpen got roughed up a little bit late last night. Seventh and ninth innings to the tune of seven runs. You know, the Dodgers had that runner on third with two outs in the ninth. Austin Riley with a nice pickup. Even better play, really, on the other end by Freddie Freeman to get the final out. It was a seven to nothing lead going into the bottom of the seventh. And really, the Braves ended up needing that Ozzie Albies Solo shot there in the ninth. And that pitcher caught it again. Yeah, Mark Melanson. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that that's just not ever going to happen again. Um, good to see Ozzy and Freddie Freeman get the power thing going early in the series, though, right? So you'll have Kyle Wright today for the Braves. That's going to be a 505 central first pitch on FS1. So uh You almost get the sense, though, with what the Dodgers did in the seventh and the ninth, 
that for right, it's going to feel like you're trying to stymie the momentum that the Dodgers generated late in that game. Need to go out early and throw some donuts, calm them back down. You don't want the Dodgers in that lineup sort of feeling good about themselves. So uh, we'll see how that goes later this afternoon in the NLCS. You also had Tuesday night Ashkin is what I called it. Instead of Maction, you had AFC action in the National Football League last night. Titans uh, didn't look any worse for the COVID, did they? Thumped the Bills last night up in Nashville. Had a limited attendance in there. Had a few folks rattling around Nissan Stadium. 42-16, the Titans thumped the Bills. A couple of TDs for Derrick Henry. Please tell me you Cut. saw it. Please tell oh, me you the, saw it. That, the one posterization oh. of Josh Norman with a stiff arm. That was brutal. He he literally on said on television. the uh, he said on the uh, the announcer said uh, after that play, he's like he made Josh Norman think if he's going to play football anymore. Yeah, Josh is getting too old for that mess. You know what I'm saying? Josh had a really good NFL career. He doesn't need that late in the winter of his career. But Derek gave it to him anyway. Hey, how about TJ Yeldon with a touchdown catch? So you had your 2014 backfield mates at Alabama. Remember that duo six years ago? We've been talking about 2014 a little bit lately on the show. Um, TJ Yeldon and Derek Henry that season – they came up about a combined, I think it was 40 yards short between them, of Alabama having two 1,000-yard rushers in 2014. I think Yeldon was like 970, and Derek was 990. They were that close. Uh, but both those guys get into the end zone last night up in Middle Tennessee. And so we got a lot to talk about on the program today. Obviously, a lot of Georgia-Alabama talk that we're going to get into. Uh, we're going to talk with Cecil Hurt, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News, of course, on a Wednesday. You've got basketball practice cranking up. How about that? Alabama fans should be excited about that, man. With this roster and what you were able to retain in John Petty and Herb Jones uh, and what you have added to the mix with guys like Josh Primo and that incoming class. Should be excitement around this program. Going to open the season over there in Asheville, North Carolina. Bahamian Asheville, North Carolina. I love it, man. If you ever kind of wanted to live at a Grateful Dead pre-show, sort of hang out, that's Asheville, North Carolina. I mean, the patchouli is intense. That's basically the aroma of choice there. Well, some other things, too, I think, in Asheville. But uh, Alabama going to get it going over there against Stanford coming up in late November, November the 25th, North Carolina possibility, and that Maui Invitational. Maybe in Asheville they could call it the Maui Wowie <laughs> Invitational. Oof. Sometimes they write themselves. Uh, but certainly uh, we do want to get into the SEC talk. You've got the SEC coaches teleconference going on right now. You know, continues to be – Concerns about COVID. We know already that Missouri and Vanderbilt has been postponed for this week. Uh, then you find out yesterday that Florida on the heels of Dan Mullen barking about wanting 90,000 at the swamp this weekend for LSU. When, by the way, as Brent Beard pointed out yesterday, Florida had even sold the 17,000 it has allotted for the game against the Tigers. Uh, but you had a pause there at Florida in the football program. And then maybe some COVID karma there for Dan. And then you hear today that Miles Brennan from Ed Orgeron, Miles Brennan may not be able to go against the Gators on Saturday. So uh, shaping up to be certainly a very interesting Saturday as we kind of anticipated when the amended schedule, the adjusted schedule was released a couple of months ago. Alabama, Georgia, interesting because according to the 247sports.com composite rankings, these are the two most talented teams in college football right now, getting ready to square off there at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday night. Georgia actually rakes ahead of Alabama in overall talent right now. And what's interesting to me about all that is that's not a surprise. Look, one or two, it wouldn't surprise me if you told me Alabama, Georgia, in some order, those are the top two. I mean, right now, 
you expect to hear Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. That's what you expect to hear because that's largely what you're seeing. Oklahoma maybe to an extent. That's what you're seeing in that mix. LSU certainly from the SEC perspective. Um, but it's interesting because all this talent on the field Saturday night, and then you look at the quarterback positions. At the quarterback positions for Georgia and Alabama Saturday night, for Georgia, you're going to have a one-time preferred walk-on at the University of Georgia and Stetson Bennett the fourth. Stetson Bennett from Blackshear, Georgia, which, by the way, if you're not aware with that part of southeast Georgia, that's a suburb of uh, the greater Waycross, Georgia metropolitan area. <laughs> I'm sure that helps you when I when I when I use Waycross down there in southeast Georgia uh, as sort of a identifying landmark. But uh, it was a preferred walk on at Georgia in 2017. Both these guys were 2017 guys. Uh, and Bennett a preferred walk-on initially at Georgia, bounce to Jones Community College over there in Mississippi, not far from Laurel, Mississippi there. I think it's Ellsville, Mississippi. I've been to Jones County Community College. I know that's crazy, right? When your kid plays JUCO basketball, it's amazing the junior colleges you'll visit. I've been to uh, East Mississippi, home to last chance you initially in that great series. Yeah, been to a bunch of them. But Stetson Bennett goes to Jones, uh, then is placed on scholarship to come back to Georgia. I guess things with Justin Fields and some of that fallout, some of that shakeout, I guess, played into that. So he lands back at Georgia on scholarship. Two months ago, if you had told anybody that Stetson Bennett will by choice be Georgia's starting quarterback against Alabama in the fourth game of the season, you would have been laughed out of the building. Because at that time, you had Jamie Newman, the grad transfer from Wake Forest. You had JT Daniels coming in with the expectation that he would get a waiver and be immediately eligible for the dogs. And you had Carson Beck coming into that situation. You had Dewan Mathis getting over the brain surgery from a year ago that was already on the roster. So really... You were thinking, he's the maybe the fifth guy if it comes down to it. And here he is, starting against Alabama, playing well, too. Watch some of that Georgia-Tennessee game uh, in its full this morning. And this is a guy, man, he loves to attack where Alabama's had some struggles defensively. In other words, the middle of the field, it's coming again this week. Because that's what Stetson Bennett likes to do. He likes to hit Arius Jackson from the slot there in the middle of the field. He likes to go to his tight end, Trey McKitty, there in the middle of the field. You're going to see Kenny McIntosh at the running back position, work the middle of the field, work the inside linebackers in general. So that's what Stetson Bennett likes to do. Uh, but really from walk-on to wow, I guess you could say, with Bennett. And then for Alabama, of course, you've got Mac Jones. and Mac Jones, a three-star, composite-rated quarterback by 24-7 sports composite in the same class, as we recall, with Tua Tonga Loa, the other guy, Mac Jones, the developmental prospect of the two, as we referred to it back then. Uh, Mac, again, a three-star, at one time was committed to Kentucky, flipped to Alabama, and that raised a few eyebrows because, you know, you've got Tua in this class, and, and Jones sticks with it, and you're thinking, guy, he, he, he must not be as crazy about getting on the field as quickly as some of these other guys. And Mack was the number 18 pro-style quarterback. Not prospect, not overall quarterbacks when you can combine dual threats. Mack Jones, the number 18 pro-style quarterback in the 2017 cycle. And here he is coming off back-to-back 400-yard -back passing performances. So we talk so much about quarterback and we think about so much of the talent on these two teams. And when we look at the situation behind center for both Georgia and Alabama right now, you are looking at a former three-star and a former walk-on. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Robert over in Birmingham. I believe it's Robert we have over there. Hey, Travis, How are we, doing? We, we, we need to talk hey, offline about, about Kappa and the Knicks. Uh, we've oh, well, another yeah. day, okay? We're Kappa Papas 
Kappa's it. Yes. I don't know if you've heard that, Robert, but Kappa is indeed it. Have yes, Kappa's that? it. You have to okay. have a lot of blue. And then also the <laughs> Nick. Um, the Nick, I live here. I live a mile from the Nick, so we probably don't need to get into all that right now, but we'll do that oh, another another day. Oh, you've got some, you've got some Nick, Nick, some experience at the Knicks. At, at, yes. At, at, yes. At uh, the Nick. Yes. 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 So, uh, that was I, fun I, Monday night. You should have come out, man. I we didn't. I mean, so you, I don't keep up with that stuff, man. I'm just trying to make a living right, right now. You're, 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 you and Gary, Gary Harris sums you up. You're a renaissance man. I mean, we need to keep up with Travis Dwyer. <laughs> so, all right, here, here's the, here's my two cents. I know y'all got to go to break. I listen to all the podcasts, your podcast, everything in the last three or four days. Here's the things we know, and I'm going to keep it really, I'm going to try to do this quick. The defense the last three years has been slipping, I think, due to recruiting and changing over in staff. This year, they don't really have an excuse. They're still lining up incorrectly. The guy, a high school coach in North Alabama who coached LeBron Ray, LeBron Ray was on a podcast, a uh, competitor. I was listening to it last night. And he's been going to the, the same coaches' clinics for years. You know, then Tuscaloosa, they invite all the high school coaches. And he talks about the 3-4 defense with, with a jack linebacker over the top. And he said, he said one thing that we've been doing, we're getting torched on, and this guy was very knowledgeable. And he said, when a, when a quarterback, a good quarterback, goes up the line scrimmage and knows you're a man-to-man every single time, you're going to get beat. That's, what, that's, why, that's why we can't get off the field on third down. Another thing he said, our guys that are rushing the pastors, LeBron Ray, uh, Bobby, I can't say his name, a Bobby or whatever his name. Uh, Those guys have, yeah. they're, they're big butt guys. They're not rush guys. We're, yeah. we're, and where Georgia's doing a great job of letting their, you know, some of the young guys, like, who's the guy from Florida that, uh, that Alabama got over Florida, the big, big rush guy? But he's probably done, he's, he's not, he can't set the edge right now, but he can damn sure rush the passer. Bring those guys in on, plus you're playing more people. With, with the, yeah. uh, LeBron Ray and the guys they have in there, they're not pass rushers. We can't get to the quarterback unless we bring six people. That's been going well, on for three years. That's they, nothing new. So, I mean, Saban's done a great job. I have to say, he's done a great job of adapting on offense. On defense, he has not. In the old days, of just lining up. The Saturday night is not going to be a big deal because Georgia, if we can stop the run, we're going to beat them. If we stop the run, we will beat Georgia. But we're mm-hmm. not going to win the national championship with this defense, not being able to rush the quarterback. With you know having to bring six or seven guys to do it, but you're not going to beat Ohio State. You're not going to beat Clemson doing it. So there's yeah. a mouthful there. Um, yeah, we need we need to talk offline sometime. I love your show, man. Thanks, man. Hey, we appreciate it, Robert. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you know, Saban talked about a few years back about the game changing on defense and the need for more twitch, right? And I do think in some dime situations right now, you're seeing Alabama try to incorporate that. And their primary dime rabbits package so far this season, and especially the last two games since Barmore's been healthy, are available, or both. Um, they've put Barmore on the nose in their in their dime rabbits, and they've had four linebackers. They've kept four linebackers on the field. So they've kept Christopher Allen out there. They've kept Will Anderson out there. They've kept Christian Harris and Dylan Moses out there. Um, and I would tell you, too, I think at times, like last Saturday night, they've been able to get some pressure, but they struggle getting guy, They struggle getting the quarterback on the field. And that could be an issue again this week because Stetson Bennett isn't Johnny Manziel, but he's enough of an athlete that it's not going to be easy to get him down. He's only 5'11", 190, so size isn't an issue here. But if you're struggling to tackle, now, that's not exactly the kind of guy you want to see in the open field either. You'd rather see a K.J. Costello of Mississippi State or one of those kind of guys uh, than even a Stetson Bennett right now. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com will join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. If you're um- from the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at KanekaSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Crimson Tide running back Najee Harris was selected as the SEC Offensive Player of the Week after his five-touchdown performance at Ole Miss. Harris says the Alabama offense is ready for another big performance coming up this week against Georgia. This offense is uh, prepared to to strike fear in opponents. 
um, to know that, hey, when, if you give the guys the ball, if he gives the guys the, the, like when the offense gets the ball, just expect that like, hey, it's going to be not just one player. It's going to be multiple players getting the ball. It's going to be multiple multiple players making plays. Somebody had, like it has to be a game plan for not just one player, but all the players across the uh, across the field. I'll have more in a moment. The Crimson Tide's newest partner is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Made in Evergreen, Alabama, Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, Kaneka Sausage is now a tailgate grilling favorite. Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the the Crimson Tide. Alabama's game against the Tennessee Volunteers at Neyland Stadium on Saturday, October 24th is scheduled for a 2.30 p.m. Central kickoff on CBS, the SEC office announced on Monday. The Crimson Tide and the Volunteers will meet for the 103rd time in a series that dates back to 1901. Alabama leads the all-time series 57-37-8 to to and has won the last 13 meetings between the schools. And that's your BAM update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. A warm afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 86. For tonight, clear with a low at 61. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 84. Then on Friday, the weather turning noticeably cooler, sunny and breezy at times, the high 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. host we are here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So today, tomorrow, and Friday, it will be Athens bands for you here on Southern Fried Sports. Today, the B-52s. Yeah, you want to talk about iconic when it comes to the Athens music scene. Yeah, REM, I get it. But uh, the B-52s, even the drive-by truckers, even with Patterson and Mike Cooley and their roots to the shoals, uh, officially formed there in Athens, Georgia. And with that, we bring on our Wednesday guest, Mr. Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Uh, Cecil, your first recollection of the B-52s, how did they hit you back in the day? <laughs> rock Lobster, yeah. Definitely Rock Lobster. Rock Lobster, uh, Private Idaho. Um, yeah. That that first album, that Planet Claire, Rock Lobster. Mm-hmm. They, they were in that. They were kind of in that Athens art school kind of scene. I always thought um, in, enjoyable, a good gimmick. Uh, the ladies could sing. <laughs> they were fun. They were a fun band. They probably played a fraternity house or two around the SEC in their day. Mm-hmm. I, I could imagine them on University Boulevard somewhere down there at some point sure. back oh, in the yeah, day. I'm sure they were. Yeah. I'm sure they were. And REM and Pylon. You need to play a little Pylon. All right. Get your little Pylon going. There you it go. is a football yeah. weekend coming up. So, I mean, why the not? Most, have the some the most underrated of the Athens band, pilot, bands, Pylon. All right. We take requests here, you know. There We're, you go. uh, I'm saying you got lines. a whole week. You got you got three more days. I got three more days. I started late, you know, but I had to yeah. get Paul Simon in there yesterday. It was Paul Simon's 79th birthday. You got to play some Paul Simon on his birthday. So sure, we had oh, to we, we had to do that, and he has the Muscle Shoals connection himself. So you know, it just Paul, it Paul has happen. dabbled in all sides. <laughs> he really has. Paul, Paul is like the uh, he's like the nine dollar barber shop. He works in all styles. He kind of reminds me of an older David Byrne in some ways, you know, what he's done. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. He certainly, you know, dabbled in that Brazilian sound mm-hmm. if you listen to Rhythm of the Saints. Yeah. 
you, you, this is nothing against Paul Simon, who's one of the, the great songwriters and great, but you feel like Dave, David Byrne is more committed to it. You know, when he, when he goes into something, he's deep diving into it. Oh, it's the passion. Yes. It yeah. shows up. Um, it comes through. You know, Paul, Paul Simon could do a little bit of, a little bit of it. And I do credit Paul Simon. He could have gone the, I sound like I'm criticizing guys for making a living, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But he and he and Art could have gone the Hall and Oates route. You know, don't speak to each other. Do the summer circuit. Make a pile of money every summer. Don't worry about it. And Paul really tried to stay creative in, in the latter the latter stages of his career. I guess he's semi-retired or retired now, but. Um, they they could easily have taken that James Taylor route, you know, where they did, did all the amphitheaters, played played the greatest hits, and cashed huge paychecks, and you know enjoyed the fall and winter in the in the islands. And and Paul tried to stay a little bit more a little bit more connected than that for a long time. Well, music had Simon and Garfunkel. Alabama once upon a time had Saban and Kiffin. And there was a reunion on Saturday night yeah. over in Oxford, Mississippi. I wanted to ask you, Cecil, of all okay. the compliments that Lane's gotten since that game, was was Nick going as far as to assert that perhaps Ole Miss had stolen some defensive signs from Alabama? I know we he he sort of went back on that Monday and and reframed those comments in a way, but. I mean, that's got to be as good a big a compliment as Lane Kiffin's ever gotten in football, I would think. I would think. I, I, I still would have to have um, Nick Saban sit down and explain the technical details of that to me. Um, it's funny, I think about it, um, watching the baseball playoffs, every time I watch the Astros, I think of Nick talking about stealing signs. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that means that somebody's tipping something off in formation. I don't know if they're hearing a play call. Um, and, and I think Nick tried to clarify a little bit that, that Lane just sort of stayed one step ahead. And, and some of that is just Lane being good at what he does. And I do think it was a compliment. Yes. So Cecil, I mean, what's the level of concern with this Alabama defense? Is there is there not been enough credit given to Lane and Ole Miss and the personnel there? Um, is is it uh, is, is it is worrisome as it appeared Saturday night? In your opinion, could a matchup, a change in matchups with a team like Georgia, be beneficial to that group? Where do you kind of stand right now with that side of the ball? Well, I would say first thing, you go back to the to. You go back to the basics, you know, when, when you and I are talking about music, a lot Southern music in particular, you go back to the Delta you know, and, and football. You go back to blocking and tackling. And bad tackling is bad tackling. Formations don't fix that. I mean, they, they can improve your angles and, and that sort of thing. And it eliminate the need to think so much. And it might have a an attenuated effect on tackling, but you got to tackle. You got to block and tackle. You got to play. Mickey Andrews at Florida State ball. You know, you just you you have one defense. You line up in it and you tackle. And Alabama didn't tackle very well. Hadn't tackled very well this season by Alabama standards. Um, and, And I always think that. Next step, if if it's one A or two, uh, turnovers are the decisive statistic in football. Uh, doesn't mean you can't be minus and, and find some other way to win the game. But if you if you're consistently creating turnovers with your defense and, and letting yourself be plus two or plus three, um, then you really increase your chances of winning. That was one of the the things that hadn't been discussed very much in Alabama's inability to get off the field against Ole Miss is they couldn't turn them over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one turnover in that game gave, gave Ole Miss one of its very rare stops um, on the one-yard line. Or if Alabama just 
takes a knee on that play. So I'm mean, not criticizing Najee for making extra effort. But, it, you know, if they just blow that play dead, Alabama's going to knock it in on the next play and have 70 on the board at the end. And it's not going to be quite the, quite the Wimbledon-style waiting to break somebody's third game that it was until the fourth quarter. Um, so you got to – the two things they, they have to do better regardless of alignment or personnel or signals or any of that is tackle better and force turnovers. And, mm-hmm. yes, there, there's a relationship between that and being in the right place, taking the right angle and not having to overthink on defense where you can slow to the ball. Nick Saban said it on Monday. You know, he, he saw, and, and people, again, <laughs> we live in an age, and I understand it, and I appreciate it, and I wish I were um, better versed in it than I am, of, of everybody breaking down their film from the TV broadcast and, and um, using their buzzwords about defense, setting the edge. Now, when, did, when did you ever hear about setting the edge 10 years ago? <laughs> Never heard it. Never, that's the new... That's the new buzzword. Um, and, and so people got to set the edge. Um, but anyway, uh, you, you do need to get a pass rush and do this. But Nick Saban said it on Monday in, when people were asking about this play call and that play call. And he said at least part of the problem is you overemphasize that and then you're not playing relaxed. And he wants them to play relaxed. Paralysis by the ball analysis. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now... Again, they've got to do. They've got to practice what Nick preaches, um, and he's responsible for that. And he's taking responsibility for that. And that you, you do it. You don't do it in practice until you get it right. You do it so many times that you can't get it wrong, and that they need to do some of that. But um, they they do not look like. And I'll ask you. They don't look to me. Uh, like they're playing relaxed out there. No. So thank you. You know, uh, I, I was going to ask this, without getting too much into personnel evaluation, because, again, we don't know everything that goes into every play call, what individual responsibilities are, you know, how things change during the course of a play. But but what have you seen from Dylan Moses to this point? You know, coming off the knee injury, stepping into a new position. Um, I don't know if people understand the difficulty that goes into that when you combine those things. I, I, I remember watching Dante Hightower in 2010 right. when he came off a knee injury against Arkansas in the previous season. Rolando moved on to the NFL. They put Hightower in the middle. And, you know, Dante at times didn't look like Dante from pre-injury. And it, I don't think it was just the injury. It's, it's everything that comes with playing that Mike linebacker position, right? Right, you you've got to learn a new position and get comfortable with your with your knee with your injury again. Um, and, and I think it has affected him. If, you, if you're asking what I've seen, I think it's yeah affected him in the way we just discussed. I think he's thinking about things more than he did um, before he was injured. Um, so I, I think that that's. I think that's a fair observation. I, I, I'll tell you a thought um, that I had coming back. It's it, it's really hard on us, and, and I apologize to readers. We we have to file file as soon as the game's over, and right. I'd much rather have two hours to think about it. And you know, so so when you're driving home, you you do all that thought process that you used to be able to get into a column. But one of the things that one of the many, many things that pop up. Um, I'm not 100% sure. You'll, you'll say I'm crazy. And, and um, you know, Dylan has a year he could come back. You know, yeah. Last year was just a medical redshirt. He didn't lose a year. Um, and he's got a free year this year. Um, and from a draft status situation. I'll be interested to see when some of the evaluations come back, but he may be in a situation at the end of this season where he could really improve himself by coming back for a year. 
Uh, and he may not want to do it. It may be an age situation. It may be time. He may be tired of college football. Um, but, you know, th- this season being a preseason mm-hmm. really creates a lot of options. It's the same thing with Mac. You know, it, it, we'll see how he plays Saturday and we'll see what some of the NFL draft evaluations are. But, you know, who's to say? <laughs> who's to say for sure that um, Mac Jones won't be? Alabama's 2021 quarterback. So, yeah, those are the kind of things you wonder about. And it's way too early. We're in the fourth game of the year. But in Dylan's case, um, I don't know that he's helped his stop thus far. And can't guarantee that another year would help it and you're risking injury and et cetera, et cetera. But it's a thought. You know, it's one of those things that you weigh in your mind. Yeah, I think it's another parallel to say Dante. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought, well, Dante will come back for his junior year in 2010, and he'll be off to the NFL. He needed 2011, Cecil. He, he did. did. And, Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And he and took 2011 and maximized it, and, you know, the rest is the rest is history. Um, and because, of, again, because of this year's circumstances, you know, sure. he's got that option available to Sure. Well, you talk about a defense that benefited from guys coming back. What about Dante and Mark Barron coming back for 2011? You know, we talk so much about guys leaving, man. They don't have that. They don't have that experience level other than Dylan, I guess. Safety and linebacker. Uh, They don't have that at safety and linebacker. Yeah. And and trust me, that's not an excuse. That's not saying that, that those young linebackers who played last year should have learned a lot. The young secondary shouldn't have learned a lot, but I would I would agree with you 100 percent that they don't have um, 2011 Dante and Mark Barron back then. No, no. You talk about Mac Jones, Cecil, as as great as he's been and and as impressive as he's been, and I don't want to get into those buzzwords that you just talked about, like signature win or validating win. Um, yeah. It is it is a big stage for Mac Jones Saturday night. Yeah, it'll be the most watched college football game of the year, I would think, until the playoffs anyway. If Alabama Ole Miss was ESPN's highest-rated <laughs> game of the year, where do you think Alabama-Georgia in prime time on CBS is going to be? Yeah. So. I think uh, it might draw even better than Georgia Notre Dame in prime time last year. See, so I know that's not supposed possible. to be the case when we talk about mighty Notre Dame, but I think it might happen. It, they might pull an upset Saturday night. What do you think? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it'll be a big. It'll it'll be a big number, and it'll be a big stage for Mac. Yeah, Alabama not, LSU's been bigger than Notre Dame on CBS. So yeah, you know, I'm not. I, I realize we are in October that feels like September. Uh, but I'm not deeply wrapped up in the Heisman race just yet. But I recognize uh, how much Mac could help himself in all those postseason situations. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing will be true for Trevor Lawrence when they play Notre Dame, I suppose. Um, so, so this is an opportunity for him. I wouldn't say anything decisive. But, yeah, if he goes out and throws for 405 touchdowns, then Jaws will drop. Cecil, uh, the SEC West in general right now, uh, you talk about all over the place. I talked about this yesterday. It may turn out that these two wins Alabama's already got in the bank in the West over A&M and Ole Miss could be even bigger than we realized at the time uh, of their occurrence. If, If Alabama wins, Saturday against Georgia, um, there may not really be much of a race down the stretch. It's, it's Atlanta time. Yeah. It's well, you know, hypothetically, um, I guess Auburn could run it, but and, and you know, be come to Tuscaloosa with one loss, but you don't get the sense that Auburn's playing that way. You know that they're going to go. In beat A&M and going to go and beat Ole Miss. And, um, you know, that's just not, although their, their East schedule where they got 
Kentucky and South Carolina, but they may not, you know, they're, they're a, what are they over South Carolina Saturday? Three, three and a half. Three and a half on the road. Three and a half. Road dog. Yeah. Got to watch so, out for those you know, home dogs, Cecil. Home dog with teeth, Travis. Ooh. Teeth. But, yeah, but, no tetanus shot. I'm not going to rule out that, that <laughs> because as you saw on Saturday, you never rule out <laughs> Auburn winning the game. You know, anything could happen. You know, as much as Alabama and Georgia have been Jordan Jordan haired, did Arkansas get it even worse? Maybe I mean, it, right up there, wasn't it? What happened Saturday there at, at Auburn and in Arkansas? I've I've been both sides on that. You know, I, I've been that side that that it's just whatever voodoo it is. It's just, <laughs> Alabama fans feel like they see every time it was more that voodoo. I will say. Real time, as a tough call. I mean, it really, you need to get them right. But what happens to you as an official is on that spike play, you anticipate. It's like a block charge call in basketball. You're going to blow the whistle. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the whistle's blowing. And, and it, you're right. right. It was you're anticipating, con, you're anticipating contact in basketball. We see it all the time. And, yeah, you're anticipating the, the spike being – and, and your reaction as an official when you see that spike is to stop the clock. Because that's yeah. what it's for. That's what the right. spike is in there for. Um, and you're not your, – your first instinct is to see, <laughs> partly because you just don't imagine the quarterback would throw the ball backwards. Um, but it, it's, it's fortunate. I think that's a tough call in real time. I think they missed the call. I think Auburn benefited from them missing the call. But I do see that it's a tough call in real time. With replay and the simultaneous nature of something like that, <laughs> I mean, I guess once the whistle blows, that's it. There, There's just there, – I mean, if you watch the replay – Everything happens simultaneously. The spike, right. the whistle, and then the right. clear recovery. Um, right. I guess there's just not – they can't see a way to to work around the whistle there. No, and I've seen inadvertent whistles before and before replay. They were inadvertent. I've yeah. seen inadvertent whistles affect the play. And um, that's the human factor in football and, and would be the human factor if you put robots out. Yeah, you know, because the robots are going to be programmed by humans. Yeah. Um, but it's a frustrating thing when it goes against your team. Whatever the inadvertent whistle, I've seen, I've seen kickoff touchdown kickoff returns um, called back because the official thought the guy stepped out of bounds when he didn't. You know, yeah. blew the whistle. And once the whistle blows, that's it. Um, it's a it's a frustrating thing. Yeah. <laughs> You blow that inadvertent whistle, you're going to hear from one sideline or another. I'll promise you that. Speaking of whistles, Cecil, we got some of hoops cranking up, man. Here we go. Yeah. College um, basketball. Start practice today. I think we get to visit with Nate Oates tomorrow and uh, several of the players, um, hopefully. And just just high expectations in, in a lot of circles. Still don't have a conference schedule, although I think that's close to. I think that's close to being finalized. I think they'll still be at eighteen games plus the Big Twelve Challenge, and then do what you can with your non-conference. They're definitely in um, Maui, Asheville, so um, that's three good non-conference games, and, and they'll add some. I don't know that. You know, the frustrating thing, I think, with the expectation level where it is, I don't know if they schedule any home non-conference games. I don't know, or, or even when the home conference games comes, I don't know what the attendance policy is going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, if if they're twenty percent of of capacity in an outdoor stadium, I don't know that they'll have any um, capacity for indoor games this year. The basketball. And Wait you're seeing the Saints. But, the Saints trying to maybe get over to Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, a, I think that I think that both of those are are on weekends where the where LSU plays at home, and that's a quick that's a quick turnaround. But yeah, 
sure. More power to them. I saw some, <laughs> it was funny. Um, last night, there were some Braves fans in the stands. In, uh, yeah, there were. Texas. Made the trip out from Atlanta to Texas. And if it's the that World was, Series, probably be more. That was different, so, wasn't it? After uh, what we had seen with baseball pretty much throughout, to actually see fans in attendance at a baseball game. Seemed like 20 you years miss, ago. You miss it. I mean, it, you don't notice it as much on TV until there actually are some fans there, and then you, you, you notice that it makes a difference. The, the real reaction. <laughs> and congrats to the Braves. I, you know, I, I'm not a bandwagon Braves guy, but obviously I know hundreds of Braves fans, and I'm glad for them. Um, but but those were some those were some nervous Braves fans last night that, that made the trip to Texas. But they tried to get position now. I don't know that they'll I don't know that they'll sweep it, but they're in a good position. Yeah, they tried to Atlanta sports that one up there at the end. It felt like, but uh, it went twenty eight three all over again. But um, no. Cecil, as always, man, we appreciate the time, man. We'll get that pylon on. You know, yeah, the honor there, there the was, music scene. They're worth listening to, but yeah, <laughs> you, you can't play REM all the time. <laughs> oh, there will be no shiny, happy people on this program. I can promise you that. I mean, I love the B-52s and I love REM, but uh, we, we, we won't be we won't be doing that. You, one, they so. have different phases. That was a great radio song. You're not I bet you're not going to play any. Any <laughs> and I love KRS. I love KRS One, but See, that's not go. getting played here there either. You, you know, I, there I you go. Those, I, I'll, I'll, those those first albums were college college rock to me. You know, I was in the oh, college yeah. community, so they they are the absolute definition of. And there are other bands that fit in there too, but REM. Absolutely. If you ask me the genre, I put REM in it's college rock because it was, was my Big Star. Rock. Was Big Star a college band to you out of Memphis? Yeah, kind of. You know, they had that Memphis thing. Yeah. And Alex was older. You know, he wasn't a college yeah. kid. He'd been around, uh, but they certainly played that circuit a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And and I don't know the, all the uh, yeah, Dead Milkmen, Camper Van <laughs> Camper yes. Van Beethoven. Absolutely. Um, yeah, take the skinheads bowling. I'll still spend a little take the skinheads bowling sometimes. <laughs> so right, those Cecil, like, repla- thanks, replacements. Absolutely. Um, a little bit. Absolutely. Those, those kind of whiny lead singer. Type uh-huh. wasn't whiny. He was different. You know, none of them were Freddie Mercury. Nobody had yeah. Freddie outside. You got to um, be those ready to go uh, work a that shift at 90.7 that wasn't the point now. Have, wasn't the point to have the pipes in the big production. That was against the point, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but probably you know if you said name one that fits in that you'd say I would say Ari. Yeah, yeah, I, I would too. Love them, love the early stuff especially. Oh yeah, but, uh, absolutely. All right, my man. We always right. appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week. Okay, there he goes. Sounds good. Thanks. The one, the only Cecil Hurt, Tuscaloosa News. TideSports.com. Going to head to a break. We come back more of Southern Fried Sports on a Wednesday. Presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Oh, now's the time. A warm afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today, 86. For tonight, clear with a low at 61. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 84. Then on Friday, the weather turning noticeably cooler. Sunny and breezy at times, the high 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryder, senior analyst 
for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Need to thank a couple of folks who helped make the show possible. Houston Hydrosteam, your carpets, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning. Jackie and his outstanding crew there, locally owned, locally operated. Houston Hydrosteam, 205-553-9460. It is home to the Houston Rug Revival. Houston Hydrosteam is. And... I think it's put extremely well by the folks there at Houston Hydrosteam. It's quality work you can stand on. 205-553-9460. And while we're cleaning, let's check in with Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. From wall to wall, floor to ceiling, Yashika Barnes and her great folks there at Chase's residential and commercial cleaning can help you out today. 205-886-3616. Dependability, thorough, and how they go about what they're doing. 20 years of quality cleaning experience. That's what you're getting with Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Hey, I saw earlier today where it looks like it's a formality at this point that the winter athletes and college athletics are going to get this year basically given to them as an extra year of eligibility. Uh, So that makes the spring sports, the fall sports, and now the winter sports And I'm happy for all those young people because I don't think what people understand is it's not just the extra year of getting to play, man. It's academically what you can do with that. It could be an extra degree. It could be your master's. Um, It's huge. And it's also why, as the parent of a winter athlete from last year, the NCAA should have done it for those folks, too. A lot of them didn't finish the 2019-2020 winter sports crossover type situation i got one who didn't how about her year i think she'd like a master's degree for free jeez that's gonna do it for a wednesday edition of southern fried sports thanks to james ludeman for producing it thanks to cecil hurt for joining us and uh it is a wednesday so the lunch whistle is southern alehouse 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa you know, they had the Tuesday craft beers and burgers yesterday. You never want to miss that. Uh, they're going to have the live entertainment on that big, spacious uh, patio of theirs that's outstanding as well. They got the outdoor seating indoor. They can take care of you there. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.